From InsureTech Ireland, this is InsureTech Radio. I'm Connor Sweetman. This week's guests are Andrew Eganis and Philip Naples of Lair. I'm here with Andrew and Philip from Lair. Hi, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey. My pleasure. So I thought we might just get started with some introductions. Can you guys just uh, give us a bit about your background before Lair, and then we can get into the startup story then after that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my background is uh, that I've been in the insurance world for the better part of two decades. I actually started as a global broker when I was 17. Uh, went to undergraduate uh, university to learn about risk management insurance. And then throughout my career, I basically worked with fast-growing or high-growth companies, um, helping them secure the property and casualty insurance they needed to be successful. Um, these organizations ranged from pre-revenue to publicly traded, but they all had an initiative to grow very, very quickly. Um, funny story, one of my customers towards the tail end of my career was actually Andrew. <laughs> um, he ran an e-commerce business and... Um, after about three years of the process, he fired me for all the reasons why small business owners fire their broker. And that was probably one of the turning points uh, in my career where I looked at the insurance industry and thought of different ways to serve the small business owner and also um, still make the insurance industry a successful, profitable industry to, to go forward. Great. Uh, yeah, do, you, do you want so, to pick up the story from there? <laughs> yeah. So as Philip noted, um, I, on the other hand, have zero background in insurance, um, really didn't know much about it. Um, my background is really entrepreneurial throughout university. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I did not want to work for somebody else. So kind of broad studies with a focus on marketing throughout that time period, I always had an interest in technology, was a self-taught, primarily front-end engineer by trade. They eventually started learning back-end engineering um, and, you know, was drawn to the internet and, and all the potential that it offered. So I joke that I still never had a real job because shortly after graduating college, I started a, a niche e-commerce company. Um, and really the goal with that was to find niches uh, that Amazon was not doing a good job of competing and then go form relationships with suppliers, manufacturers, and, and distribute products to those niches. So having no knowledge of experience, having or of insurance, having no real business experience, when I had to buy business insurance for the first time, as the millennial that I was, I assumed that I could go online and that with a few clicks, I'd be able to you know, understand what I needed for that stage of my company and slap down a credit card and be on my married way. That's how I dealt with everything else. And I quickly came to realize that while personal lines was pretty automated and that that experience existed, there was basically zero opportunity to get what I needed with an experience that I wanted on the commercial side. Um, fast forward, I ultimately ended up buying my insurance for that company from Philip. He was a traditional broker and I had to do all of the things that I didn't want to do 
fax over paper applications, answer questions that I didn't understand, go to third-party premium finance companies and personally guarantee premium finance loans, mail physical checks, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but there was no better way. There was really no alternative. And so um, that was prior to me joining Philip, you know, almost four years ago to, to start Layer. That was my only experience with commercial PNC. We've made it up since though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Philip, then tell me how you actually got the business started. Did you have to start from scratch with licenses, the whole lot, or did you buy a brokerage that you uh, then converted into a tech company or how did that work? Yeah. Uh, so buying a brokerage might've been easier, <laughs> but honestly it probably came with its own legacy challenges. So long-term, not the, not the right approach. No. So I, uh, uh, in late 2015, when I was exiting the traditional industry, I wasn't entirely sure what I was going to do. Um, I actually knew I wanted to work in the insured tech industry and got some job offers from some of the predominant players that were um, in the news back at that time frame. But what I kept coming back to was the fact that I really knew what it is the small business customer or any modern business custom, business owner really wanted when sourcing and managing their insurance. Um, but in order to do that, I did have to stand up an agency. So over the first three months, um, I did that. I stood up the agency. I got the carrier appointments. I got the licenses. Um, and then all at the same time, this was, this was before Andrew joined me, I essentially built the first version of our prediction engine uh, in an Excel document and then started seeing if I could sell it online that way. Stood up a Squarespace um, website that collected some data. It said, you know, if someone put their information in, it said we'd back, be back within 24 hours. But all the automation at that time frame was me in the background running on the hamster wheel, just doing it really, really fast to make it look like it was automated. And within the first month, we had 10 paying customers. So that's that's really when I realized, okay, not only did I feel this is what small business owners wanted, like with zero marketing, 10 companies found us and bought from me. Um, so that's uh, at the same time I reconnected with Andrew. But yeah, had to start from from scratch to do everything um, and was fortunate enough to be able to figure that out. I will add that he was very well connected, obviously, as someone who started in the industry at 17 like he did. And very early on, he had um, some super well-respected insurance veterans in his corner. So he reached out to, you know, former senior VPs at at large global carriers that he had worked with over the years, um, as well as, you know, C-level executives at some of the largest brokerages in the U.S. and, you know, had that guidance and and that caliber of backing, which I think is one of the reasons why he was able to get carrier appointments so quickly and really reputable carrier appointments with, you know, broad appetites. Cool. And, and Andrew, then what did, what did Philip say to you to convince you to join the dusty world of insurance? Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, the stars really did align um, in a lot of ways. The same time he was leaving his traditional brokerage, I was selling my e-commerce company to one of our main suppliers. And I had no clue what I was going to do next. 
Um, and he kind of cold called me and basically said, look, I am no longer at my brokerage and I have this idea for a new way to distribute to small businesses as someone who fired me, I'd love to run it by you and see what you think. Um, so I met him for lunch. Yeah. I, I met him for lunch. He walked me through the idea and it just resonated instantly with me because essentially what he described is what I wanted and, you know, couldn't find. So as that business owner, as today layers target customer, I knew exactly what I didn't want to do. And I knew exactly what I wanted to be able to do and what I wanted that experience of getting the the insurance that frankly, I was legally required to buy to be like, and, and what he described to me was exactly that. So I basically kind of looked at him and said, I mean, if I'm going to jump into something else, why not jump into something that I know there's a need? Um, I love the idea of selling something that people have to buy, um, but selling it in a way that gives them the confidence that they're making the right decision and they're getting the right protection for their company. So, you know, I, I was also fortunate that I was in a position that I could jump into a startup that I could go a few years without um, a, a paycheck. <laughs> um, and so I, I really think, you know, looking back on the stars aligned because I do believe that to solve this challenge, it requires someone with a deep empathy for the business owner, but also a deep empathy for the insurance industry, for the carriers, for the underwriters. And that's what together we have married. Cool. So let's get into into, into the business model. So um, can you just walk me through the basic distribution model that you guys are operating? Yeah. So, I mean, at a high level, the problem that we're solving is the fact that small business owners struggle to get paid for and manage their commercial insurance. Um, so there's several things that contribute to that problem. And I'm sure most people listening to this podcast are aware of these. It's a lack of technology, which results in, you know, hours on the phone. It's the cash flow burden that come from being required to pay for premium in full via check. And it's the confusion that comes from, you know, applications and quotes that are filled with legalese and insurance lingo. So the approach that we have come up with is essentially a web platform that intelligently recommends and then secures the exact insurance that a company needs. And then we let them pay for it monthly with a credit card, regardless of how the carrier wants to be paid. So can you walk me through that process of so say I, I'm an online retailer, for example, what, what, and I want to get insurance. So what, is, what are the steps? Sure. So obviously the first step was we put the entire process on the cloud. So everything can be done online from any device, anywhere, anytime. Um, the application process is consolidated. It's conditional. And we're only asking questions that are, relevant to your business. So to that retail business. Hmm. And once we've collected kind of the, the core underwriting data that we need, this is where we now kind of diverge from a lot of the other competition aggregators, comparison engines, and that we're taking that data. And instead of going to carriers or carrier APIs, we have our own prediction engine that allows us to predict carrier pricing 
for the recommended coverage with 95% accuracy. And so what that means is now as a retail business owner, you spent roughly 12 minutes completing an understandable consolidated application and you saw a recommendation for coverage that you need based on your business. And most importantly, you see a price for each line of coverage that was recommended that is accurate 95% of the time. And at this point, still not a single carrier has been engaged. Um, and so, you know, obviously the, the, the benefit there is time. You weren't forced to wait a few weeks to then get back, you know, three to five quotes that you don't really understand or you don't have the time to read through and, and understand the fine print. Um, in, in essence, you can make a decision right now. Um, and if you want to make that decision right now, it's as simple as putting in your credit card, agreeing to pay that price that we've predicted for the policies and customizations that you select, and then you're done. You don't have to do anything else. And, and that's when really now we take over and, and we handle everything on the carrier side. So the price that you're given, that's, um, you're saying that's an estimate. So if there is a fluctuation, then when you go to the insurer, what, what, what happens at that point from the customer's point of view? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so to Andrew's point, uh, we're accurate 95% of the time. Um, and then even more uh, post, uh, post acceptance, we get the policy bound. So in some cases, the policy may go a tad higher which the customer has no obligation to pay for. We just send them a note back and say, we apologize. It's not a thousand dollars a month. It's a thousand twenty dollars a month. Would you still like to move forward? So from small business owners perspective, that's not a meaningful upcharge um, or addition. And they purchase the policy and they get back to running their business. Um, in many cases, the price comes back a little bit less, not materially, but again, same example. we, uh, indicate a thousand dollars a month for the program. It comes back at nine hundred and ninety-eight dollars a month. On that, in that standpoint, we buy the policies at nine ninety-eight. The customer gets two dollar you know, a month savings, mm. and then their policies are are bound. Proof of insurance is generated, and then they're off to the races. Cool. And um, uh, Philip, you might be able to help me with this because a lot of uh, brokers, uh, tr- traditional brokers, maybe have been in this industry for a while. Uh, will be be very proud of the fact that they provide a very personalized, customized service. And I know, so this is going all through the cloud and it's predictive by your um, by your software. So just wondering, is this purely like a non-human transaction or how do you kind of bridge that gap? Yeah, it's a great question. So first of all, let's say we, we are still providing a very personalized and customized Mm. Uh, experience. We do that in an automated fashion. So it's not just, again, we're not providing quotes. We're providing a highly tailored insurance recommendation and price by comparing our clients or prospects information against clusters of very similar companies. So we're providing the same sort of solution or experience just in an automated Mm. fashion. However, there are several business owners that do want to have a human um, human contact with us. And we, we offer that, but we let them decide if they want to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so many business owners today are, are wearing multiple hats and, and they don't have time to be forced 
to have a, a personalized relationship with any service provider. So we don't force them to do that. We, we allow them to have the same experience in an automated fashion. But if they do need to call us, text us, email us, or chat with us, we all have licensed insurance agents behind the scenes to make sure that they have the, the same stellar experience um, in the traditional sense with us as they would if they went through our online platform. To, to, to steal something from the described data guys who hmm. I absolutely love and, yeah. and got to know well in my time in London, you know, in the same way that they're creating the bionic underwriter in a <laughs> way we're creating the bionic broker, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, and I think that's the key is making sure that our customers know that human contact is optional. It's available. There are humans behind the scenes that are, you know, feeding the the engine and the automation and we're happy to live chat. We're happy to answer the phone. Um, but to Philip's point, you don't have to. If, if you need to do this Sunday night at 11 p.m. after the kids have gone to bed, you can do it then as well. And, and that's what the traditional process doesn't allow for. Mm. And so then just thinking, staying with the, the customer's point of view, like how do you actually attract customers? What, uh, how are you marketing uh, your service? Yeah, so the the bulk of our customer acquisition to date has been digital. And that's because modern business owners are going online to research these sorts of subjects and, and needs. You know, distribution, I think, is the biggest challenge in this industry, especially in the U.S. When we look at our target market, these quote-unquote digital brokers represent less than half a percent of place small commercial premium. And that includes digital brokers that have been around for 15, almost 20 years. So when you when we look at the penetration or lack of penetration that has happened digitally, that kind of confirms that no one has really figured out a way to acquire customers at scale digitally. But that does not mean that the customers aren't going online and open to being, um, you know, marketed to digitally. So we have taken the approach that, again, customers want information. They want information they can trust. The reason they do go to brokers is because they want a trustworthy source to either confirm what they've heard, what they've read, or to confirm what they need. And so our approach has really been put out definitive, reliable, trustworthy content um, on the space, on the industries, and then help our target customers find that content, answer the questions that they have, and then nurture those leads. And we see the success in that strategy reflected in kind of how customers move through our funnel. So, you know, we can track a customer and see that they may be landed on, on our definitive guide to e-commerce insurance. And they spent, you know, five to seven minutes reading that guide. They then entered in their email to download the PDF version. They then came back to, you know, two to three of the e-commerce insurance blog articles over the next 30 to 60 days, then started a proposal and, and then ultimately finished it. So it's, it's a slower and, and, and a more time-consuming approach to digital marketing, 
but it builds that trust. It's answering the questions that our target customers have. And we feel that that's the best way to acquire meaningful customers and to really, you know, do our duty as a broker. Because at the end of the day, we are still a broker and that is our job. That is our responsibility. Yeah, and you seem, and given your answer there, you seem to have explained your your target customer quite well. You know, the the type of thoughtful insurance buyer who'll go on, do their research, read a bit, uh, read the blog posts that you're putting out, and then start engaging with with you guys. So they're kind of a a more informed customer, maybe. Absolutely, yeah, and longer term customers as well. Those mm-hmm. those types of business owners who are thoughtful about. Their insurance are also thoughtful about running their business. Mm. And we see that because of the content we've created, because of how definitive it is and the, the experience that the customer goes through evaluating our, our organization before they decide to buy, those are the customers that are on their third renewal cycle, fourth renewal cycle, um, as opposed to those who are simply searching for you know, cheap general liability insurance. Those tend to be lower revenue producing clients um and they tend to churn much higher and faster yeah and i think and it it probably correlates a little bit with being uh, better risks from from an underwriting point of view uh, if they are thoughtful in running their business as you say so like when it comes to dealing with uh, insurers like uh, like how do you pitch some of these ideas to insurers because obviously they're quite new um and they traditionally underwriters are quite cautious so just what, what's your back and forth been like with underwriters yeah that's a that's a that's a great great question and it's actually one of the value props you have to the carriers as well as to the customers so um first let me just point out like when a customer comes through our platform and they agree to our proposal we are at that point we're not blasting out that opportunity to multiple carriers our system is matching that specific prospect with the product from the carrier most uh, most likely to provide the best overall solution. So when a carrier sees an opportunity from layer, no other underwriter or underwriting system has that in their, you know, quote unquote inbox. So the carrier simply becomes more of an order taker. They have all the data that they need. Um, they know exactly how the policies need to be structured and they know the price our customer is willing to pay. And if they agree to it, they have bind authority as well because we've effectively collected payment already. Um, so when we discussed this with the carriers, um, you know, initially it was, well, I don't really know how that's going to work. But very quickly, they see a flow of business coming into their systems um, with most of them over 90% hit ratios. They, they quickly see the value and the... Uh, how we convert the customer, if you will, before we even go to the mar- go to the insurance marketplace. Um, the, the other benefit we have on our side, and and I'm sure you know this, and the listeners know this, is that all carriers see the small commercial side as the number one or number two avenue for growth, organic growth within their business. Um, that market is expanding exponentially. Whereas the national or global market is shrinking some and it's shrinking because there's a lot of consolidation between companies. And then you have the very, very well run organizations that can afford to do other risk financing objectives outside of the insurance industry. So really the future for the insurance industry is, is penetrating and targeting 
the small business sector in all countries. Um, and we, we recognize this early. We see many, many uh, young professionals going to college or university or some sort of training, not to go work for a large global enterprise, but to run their own business. And those small businesses have the exact same insurance requirements as any large organization, just with less commas and less zeros. Um, so again, the small business, uh, the, the insurance carriers want this type of business. They're open to, to receiving it in a variety of different ways, but our way in particular, we believe is, is the creates the highest profit margin for them, both from the flow of business and then the types and risk structure of business. Um, and what I mean by risk structure is, our, our claims ratio is effectively zero at this point. So our client, our carriers absolutely love, love the business that we place with them. Cool. Knocking on wood. Knock on wood. Touch wood, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one of the deals I was really interested when I read about it was um, the deal you did with Stripe and uh, get, getting um, cyber to their customers. Because obviously, I think their mission is something like to increase the GDP of the internet, you know, uh, so which I think is a really uh, inspiring mission. And, uh, uh, so you guys will probably be part of that in providing cyber cover to e-commerce businesses. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about w- what the product is? And also, how did you how did you pitch that to underwriters? That was one I was thinking of. It's kind of one click or uh, you have very little information and uh, it just goes straight through. So uh, could you tell us that story? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, what better way to increase the GDP of the internet than to bring a multi-trillion dollar business online? Um, <laughs> so it kind of lines up very, very well with Stripe. Um, so it's a cyber liability data breach product. It covers both first party, meaning the covers losses direct to the insured, like notification costs, denial of service, um, so forth and so on, as well as the more common coverages like third party, where you have a data breach and some other organization or individual is injured because of your data breach. So it's a very robust product. Um, we pitched it to a few carriers, uh, and every single insurance carrier in this industry that is offering cyber is looking for a way to do it, do more of it, and at more scale. It is a new, newer product in the industry. Um, it's, it's vastly undersold, and honestly, the losses are significant enough across all books of the business that they need to continue to sell more and more premium to, to get a handle on those losses. Um, but really, the types of data that they're requiring from the small business customer has decreased over time. And what we have found is with organizations that are using Stripe as their, as their payment method, we can acquire the vast majority of the information that the carriers need to have uh, to appropriately underwrite the, the risk. Um, there are a few other bits of information that we either request for them from directly from the uh, business owner or we source from a third party data source. Um, but the, the overall uh, benefit to the cut to the carrier is that literally with a, with a couple clicks from our, from our customer by integrating their, their payment system into our platform, we can effectively predict with a hundred percent accuracy, what the premium will look like for that, for that particular organization. And it's been very, very, very successful. Um, it also has the monthly payment options on the credit card, so it, it, it aligns with the customer's cash flow. They get instant proof of insurance and instant policies 
Um, there's literally no human interaction whatsoever. Um, and then at the end of the month, the carrier who is on the back end receives a, a border row of what they're on risk for. Um, and again, in line with our loss ratios, knock on wood, they stay right at 0%. Um, so, the, so the carriers are absolutely loving um, this type of distribution that is essentially frictionless for both the small business customer as well as the insurance company. And I'll add that, that the Stripe integration is just part of a broader tech initiative that we have, which is essentially eliminating the small commercial application entirely. Um, and the reality is that with the prevalence of cloud-based business services like Stripe, like QuickBooks Online or Zero, like Shopify, if you're an e-commerce retailer, the list goes on and on. The bulk of the underwriting data that is looked at in small commercial exists in some queryable third-party business service. And so, you know, as we think about, again, making that user experience as frictionless, and fast and easy as possible, we are looking for um, ways to source the underwriting data reliably and even continuously. So, you know, with the Stripe integration, for example, we can monitor that customer in real time throughout the policy year. And if there's a big spike in processing or volume, Hmm. we can detect in an automated fashion how that customer's risk profile has changed and essentially automate cross-selling and upselling so that that insured is always adequately insured. So in a way, you know, we see these integrations as, as a way to one eliminate the small commercial application and truly make um, make the process a few clicks, and then two, this idea of put your put your commercial insurance on autopilot and let us monitor your company in real time and detect or predict function points and then recommend the appropriate changes to coverage. And this goes back to Andrew's quote unquote bionic broker. This is what brokers uh, do on their large national or global accounts. They're actively engaged with, with the customer to evaluate their changing risks to ensure that the policies that they have in place are always going to address those risks. The only way to do that profitably in the small commercial market is automated. And with these cloud-based um, business services platforms that we have and will continue to integrate with, we can gather that that real-time insight and provide that same level of uh, call it risk enterprise risk management down to the to the small business owner. Cool. So you're so the so with the relationship with Stripe or Stripe's customers, it isn't just like a point of sale. Do you want to buy cyber? You know, they might buy cyber, but you you. you via Skype, or sorry, via Skype, via Stripe are able to uh, see how that customer is doing, like more and more transactions going through their their sites, their business, that type of thing. Is that how it works? Absolutely. Yeah, we can see exactly what's going through their Stripe account yeah. um, and then recommend changes to, to their policies as, as they increase or decrease. Well, um, I want to change gears for a little bit. So obviously you guys are growing pretty quickly over the last uh, couple of years. So you're taking on uh, more and more people. And I'm just wondering what you've learned from that process in terms of having to hire quickly, uh, potentially fire quickly, uh, train people, get them onboarded. Um, Yeah, what have you learned uh, going through that? So we're fortunate in that Atlanta here is rich with talent both on the both on the technical side and the insurance side. So we're actually part of an incubator that is attached to Georgia Tech, which is a top tier 
um, technical college producing world-class engineers, data scientists, so on and so forth. And then as part of that incubator, we have a pretty integrated pipeline into recruiting that talent. Um, on the on the risk management side, on the insurance side, we have several universities within you know an hour, two hours of the metro Atlanta area that all have top-tier risk management programs. Philip's actually on the board of his alma mater's risk management school, which opens up a pipeline to um, you know insurance talent. And the key for us, you know, one of the strategies for us as an insure tech is to understand what it's like to transition someone who's been in the traditional industry or someone who has had those tr- kind of traditional blinders on into a new way of thinking about the industry or into a new way of thinking about how to do things. So from an insurance standpoint, obviously there's the, how do we train someone who maybe has been on the traditional side into the way that we do things. And then, you know, recruiting directly out of a risk management school, obviously these are younger insurance professionals who haven't, um, been exposed to a lot of the inefficiencies on, on the traditional side. And so we're able to kind of groom them and shape them from scratch to our way of thinking to an insure tech way of thinking. Mm. And yeah, absolutely. I think, um, then I mean, there's challenges with both, right? So when they come straight out of the university, they have limited insurance experience. So what we have to really train for, is the insurance knowledge. Because if, again, if a customer does call, we need to make sure that they have the same stellar experience from working with one of our representatives as they would if they were using the automations on the platform. And then the challenge on the traditional broker side is to Andrew's point is they have been exposed to how um, inefficient some of those processes are and don't quite have the same sense of urgency that is required when working with small business owners. Now we can overcome both of those, but I would say the one commonality that both of those individuals needs, the, the young professional as well as the, um, uh, you know, three to 10 year uh, insurance professional is do they have the right attitude? Mm. Will they, will they see this as a, a challenge that needs to be overcome? Will they do everything in their, in their uh, ability to make sure that we accomplish what the small business owner needs um, and do it in a way that makes the business owner feel ex- excited about working with Layer and excited about the insurance programs that, they, that they've just acquired through Layer. So it really comes down to the attitude. And that's what we hire for most because everything else honestly can be corrected or changed. Yeah, great point. So what's next for Layer? A lot. <laughs> you know, the, the, the reality is that truly modernizing this industry requires an entirely new and automated process. And so, again, everything that we're focused on is what is the new process that works best for both the insured and the insurer and the broker? And then how do we automate that new process? So that includes things like building a scalable prediction engine that allows the insurance team to essentially onboard new industries, carriers, products globally without a computer science degree. 
So how do we build prediction algorithms without touching code? How do we allow actuaries to come in and interact with our system to dial in our, our pricing and appetite prediction without touching code? Now, all of that would be anchored by, you know, ML, but, you know, we, we need, we need uh, a tool, an internal tool that's scalable that allows us to quickly expand into new classes, carriers, products, and markets. Um, we need to continue automating the intelligence of that broker. So, um, you know, again, being able to recommend tailored coverage in real time at scale without a human, being able to, to continue delivering underwriters bindable opportunities with the exact types of customers that they want. And then again, anchoring all of that with real data science, using things like industry clusterization to, to help recommend that tailored coverage and carrier matching. Um, and then the last, again, big initiative that we've already talked on talked about is eliminating that small commercial application and then opening up those kind of continuous pipelines to underwriting data so that we can ensure that our customers are always you know, properly protected. But those are kind of the key things that we're focused on right now, the big initiatives, and all of them are, you know, obviously the underlying aspect is, is technology and innovation. Hmm. I know I joked about uh, world domination, but uh, you, you do have plans for uh, uh, going international at some stage. Can you give us a sneak peek to that? Uh, yeah, so that, that's definitely on our, our near-term roadmap. Um, over the next, over the next uh, six months or so, we're going to be making uh, leaps and bound improvements on the uh, ability to expand our prediction engine at scale. And that's going to be the big driver in allowing us to go internationally. The good thing about our tech uh, to date is that it is uh, geographic and carrier agnostic. So mm. the only things uh, holding us back today, one is, is regulations and two kind of uh, carrier appointments. But with the ability to, to scale our prediction engine with, with multiple industries and multiple carriers, that is going to be a, a much smaller um, hurdle for us. So I would, I would confidently say in the next 12 months, you will see us um, beginning our, our global expansion. We're fortunate to have Lloyds of London as, a, as an investor. They represent nearly 100 individual carriers or syndicates. Um, and then with our, with our ability to expand a prediction engine, it will allow us to work with those, those, those syndicates or any other carrier, let's say outside of Lloyds, who may not have any technology whatsoever to distribute digitally, mainly because they will be able to plug in those those industry classes and products and rates into our platform, and then we can uh, we can begin to feed them the types of businesses that they want to write. So very very soon, um, we're going to be around for a very long time. This is a this is a an industry that, as everyone says, ripe for disruption. But it's just it's not functioning in the way that the modern business owner or even the traditional business owner needs it to function anymore. And we are, we are focused on addressing all of those challenges that the business owner has, the carriers have so that we can continue enabling commerce um, in the future. And that's a great way to put it to your, that the fact that you are enabling commerce. So exciting times for you. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, watching you uh, progress. Any last words, guys? 
to infinity and beyond. <laughs> I got, I got nothing. Well, uh, you can't beat that. Everything I have to say. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time, lads. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye.